Welcome to the Code Life podcast with me, Nathan Blackaby, and my great mate, Carl Beach. Uh, this month, I've put together a bit of a compilation. We went on the truck tour. You might remember seeing that online with, obviously, the aftershave roulette. And uh, we had a lot of fun cooking on the side of the road and all sorts. Uh, but we're back from that, and I've put this together because we've got a few interviews that I thought would be pretty cool for you guys to listen to this month. So first up is John Stockley over in Wales. Uh, we've got an interview with John German in Dawlish, uh, and then over to Plymouth, and you'll hear from Mark Fraby uh, and the Plymouth guys there, the Sharper guys. Uh, also Phil at Wertha Farm. Uh, really interesting to hear what Phil's doing. And then we end this podcast with an interview with a guy called Tristan in Southampton. Um, so some really interesting stuff there. Have a listen uh, to the Co-Life podcast this month, and we shall see you next month. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the Code Life podcast with me, Carl Beach, and Nathan Blackaby's in the room eating. Oh, you normally say great mate. Oh. Is this because of the pizza thing? Oh. Yeah. And you two have been arguing so much, haven't you? And I, you do know I don't like barbecue sauce you pizza. Had whole pizza. That's not true. Every time I looked at you, you had a bit of pepperoni pizza in there. Can I just say, having been with you now for an evening, I just realised how much of a married couple you two are. No. We have our moments, but most of the time we literally don't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've laughed a lot tonight. To no, be we, don't stop, we don't stop laughing. We, t- we do it's talk science. about theology and all sorts of stuff, but, you know, we omission. But in the context we of show laughing. A lot, no, we share a lot of heart. And, oh, yeah. I mean, but no. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Code Life podcast with me, Carl Beach, and my great mate. Nathan Blackley. <laughs> You're a great um, mate, John Stockley. Are you actually appearing on this? Can you be no. heard? So if you're interrupting me now, can people hear that you're interrupting me? Yeah. What? Yeah. In a very quiet way. I'm in the background. Okay. There you go. I'm here. Best place for it. Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we are, and I'm with, we are with, John Stockley. Hey. Uh, director of Wales for CVM, and we thought because we've been on the road this week, and we mate, and we blackers, uh, we've been on the road um, doing uh, the first of uh, what is a national tour. So we're breaking up over the next 12, 18 months. And if, in fact, you're saying it might continue, but we've been to Southampton and Plymouth, Dawlish over Dartmoor, um, into Cornwall. And then uh, up to Swansea, and every step away, be meeting people who are doing amazing things for the Lord, and recording some podcasts and some fun stuff, some stupidity as is normal with us. Uh, but actually, just just getting out there and cheering the guys on. And we're we with John tonight, who's heading up to work in Wales, and he's actually travelled across Wales four hours to be with us in the in a Premier Inn in the most dodgy part of Swansea. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've travelled from north, the North Wales coast, the top end of North Wales, yeah. right down to the bottom south end of Wales, yeah. and we're ending up in a Premier Inn on Wine Street in yeah. Swansea. It's £33 a night, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So total bargain. That, no, yeah. and, but we, what have we just been doing, John? Tell us, tell us where we've been tonight, because it was great. So is this apart from the uh, walking miles yeah, to a Domino's pizza yeah, and the talk. one-off license that's yeah, been open in Swansea? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So uh, we've uh, we've had an evening on Caswell Bay across on the Gower, Which one is of the beautiful. most beautiful yeah. places in the whole of Wales, to be fair. And uh, we got the CVM Swansea boys on board to pull out a few guys that are, are, are massively into the vision that we've got for Wales here in Swansea. Yeah. Um, and it's it's literally the first um, event that we've had face to face in 2021 it's actually quite Cumbria. moving isn't it? I, you know you know we're blokey blokes we muck around a lot but actually walking across the beach and seeing your guys all there i thought oh this is great you know yeah gave you an illegal hug an illegal yeah 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 no it's totally it's totally illegal in wales you can't you can't you yeah can't, but you I, can't I, I had my english wales, sister no. mean i didn't realize no, i you can't hug in wales yeah nobody hugged on that beach that i saw to be i fair. didn't see anything no, hugging is an English thing apparently now. Oh, right. So we're not we we haven't been told we can. But somebody anyway, said, somebody I, it said it on, felt on special. It felt, yeah, felt it was. Special. It was, and it, to be fair, it was. Um, you could see all the all the hope and the relief in the guys' faces to be back face to face. When was the last time we saw it. each other face to face? You and me. Yeah. I reckon uh, it was February last year when we did code the code tour in Llandudno. You're joking. It's bonkers, isn't it? I work for... It a, seems like yesterday I last saw you face-to-face, but that... I know. But that is mad. We, we've lost a year. We have lost a year. Well, we, we, we haven't lived lost a, life a year, have we? Like kids but, and um, families and... Uh, and and I, think, I think the the thing that's been massive for CVM, both here in Wales and also right away across the UK, is how much we've achieved online. We, I, we've we've made, made sure that we haven't lost a year, but... But it just in terms of face to face, it feels that way. Painful, it? yeah, yeah. So tell us about the uh, the whole CVM Wales thing. You've got a lot going on. Uh, tell us about mates. Tell us about translating resources, learning the language. Yeah, it's a big thing because you were originally when I I recruited you, it was to do you were a church coordinator. Weren't I was, you? yes, doing a little bit of database. It feels work, like a, a world away now, doesn't it? Does, know. yeah. And then you know your your heart grew in passion for Wales and. Blackers yeah. went right. Yeah, let's get on with that. With yeah. So what happened since then? So since then, um, we've we've been building um, a core base of guys right the way across Wales. So um, I've said this before, but I think it is quite poignant that when I took over uh, for CVM, what was CVM Wales at the time, we had CVM Swansea. That was the only thing that was going yeah. on. It was here in Swansea, so yeah. where we are today. Well, I spent I spent years, mate, coming up and down to Cardiff, yeah, and Swansea and Port Talbot, and and you know I ran a gal peninsula just trying to meet people to get something going. I could never quite make it work. No, I needed someone here. Yeah, to be fair, it's it it it's it's knowing and understanding the culture. I mean, we are obviously all part of this um, this, this like UK thing. Cultures are different, aren't they? It's, and and it, the cultures are different wherever you go, even within England. Cultures are different yeah, in different for places. Sure, for sure. And here, it's 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 about um, the Welsh boys believing that we were here and we were completely focused on Wales as a nation. We wanted to see Wales um, one for Christ. And so we we arrived. Gareth Pope and Byron Meesday um, were the only two people I really had that were really gunning for it. Yeah. Um, and that was only, that's only three or four years ago. Now we've got 
11 ACs across the Amazing. whole of Wales. And yeah. it's like, uh, we're genuinely becoming a national men's ministry. And it feels like that. What, yeah. I, what I love about it is, is the young guys that are coming on board. You know, it's like, they're not all like mid 40s or higher. We've got some 20 year olds you say who are really passionate. I, I'm saying that's not as young as we used to be. Yeah, that's true. So, um, but yeah. Uh, we're seeing young guys who've just got a massive heart and they want to do things differently. They want yeah. to do things really kind of... Um, Some of these kids, they're wild, aren't they? They're brilliant. Yeah, well, they haven't got any fear, have they? And they're just like, you know, they, you talk about reaching your mates for Christ to a 20-something-year-old and it's like, literally, we'll do whatever it takes. And the older you get, you kind of think you're worried a bit more about what people think about you. I don't know what it is, but, but these young guys, they've got mm. heart, they've got passion, they've got fire... And to be fair, they'll go up and, and rip up the sea in a speedboat as much as, you know, come to a men's breakfast yeah. in a church. And, and they're the guys that are going to make a massive difference. And we're seeing that happen here yeah. in Wales. It's really encouraging. One of the big things we've always had to do in the ministries is, is raise up the next generation of leaders and inspire yeah. them. There's also a place for the old, the old, the old ones like us. Yeah, totally. You know, to give the wisdom, and but we got we also got to raise but also them up. Also, step side, step aside as well. It's like yeah. literally move from king to sage. You yeah, know, become the become the old bloke in the corner, but raise the uh, young guys up. Um, mate, tell us. I've asked you this before, but I think there'll be people listening to this podcast who have not heard you speak before. Uh, part of your commitment to Wales was also learning the language. And a lot of people yeah. don't realise how cross-cultural this mission is. But tell us about uh, Welsh speaking, because that, that's uh, increasingly growing in popularity. It's spreading across Wales, isn't it? There's a it resurgence is, yeah. of, sort of national pride in a, in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, part of that is language. So tell us about that. Yeah, so basically, um, a few years ago, the government, the Welsh government came up with a, um, a vision to see a million Welsh speakers um in by 2050 i mean we're going to blast that i think we're going to get there a lot lot earlier than that and that's all based um, on cult recovering the culture the values it is heritage it's, it's it's built around um something that um i think it was tolkien who said that when a country loses its language it loses its soul and um the reality mm. is that for for wales um like unbelievably Every revival that ever happened in Wales happened when we were um, more than 70% monoglot Welsh speaking. Right. So no, well, no revival has happened whilst we've right? been that losing a, our language. Is that right? Do you hear that, Blackers? That is a fascinating yeah. statistic. No revival in Wales has happened until people, there were 70% where people spoke Welsh. So the last, the last one was 1904. Yeah. And in 1904, we were um, at least... 65 to 70% monogamy. That is fascinating. Speaking. Only 100, 150 years ago, that's what we were. It's an interesting connection. What is it at the moment? We are now at probably uh, about 30%. Off way to revival. Maybe. We're about 30% right now. So the reality is, I think one of the things that, that's, that's really interesting about that is that every relationship is built through language and so uh, the, the historically the welsh um, spiritual temperature was built through language and that yeah. language was welsh at least in in a significant part yeah. it wasn't only that but it was a significant part so 
So when I came on board, I believed that, that we could not win Wales for Christ unless we did it with a healthy respect for the language yeah. and, and for a number of our area coordinators to be actually able to speak it. And if I was going to ask our area coordinators to speak Welsh, then I needed to become fluent in Welsh. What were you like with languages at school? I was rubbish at... Uh, yeah. So here's the thing with me, and, and um, my wife said she can see this in our son as well. I refused to learn anything I didn't see the, re the value in or the purpose for. I just wasn't interested. I'd get bored. So every time I tried to learn French or Spanish, I thought, well, I'm never going to live in France, or I'm not going to live in Spain, so what's the point of me learning the language? But here's the thing. Um, for me, now, learning Welsh is about reaching into communities like Carnarvon, which is around 83% first language Welsh speaking. And I can't reach those men there if all I ever do is speak English. So Are there some communities in Wales where you go into a village in a town it's pretty much Welsh speaking? It's yeah, there is. There's, there's a number of... Um, of um, there's a place called Llanrig, um, which is in Gwynedd. And it's like literally everyone is, it, it, their, their choice of language is, is Welsh. So to go in there and try and preach the gospel using English, you're just not going to get listened to. It is literally, that's, that's, that's the way it What's is. What's the name of that really nice uh, coastal community in North Wales where they've all got jet skis everywhere? Um, the Ganwy? No, that, well, that's one of them. There's another one. Um, I went there. For a little with a little group of guys once for a little break and everyone was speaking Welsh. But when you walk into a shop they realise you weren't Welsh speaking and speak to you in English. Um Where's that? Oh, I can't remember. Near near Snowdonia. Let's put narrow it down a bit. Is it on the Slim Peninsula? Come in uh I remember. I'll have a little okay, look. I'll have, have a little look have on the map. Have a little look. Yeah. Yeah, there's a number of communities on the coast. Yeah, yeah, where quite it, but it was very interesting at the time. Let me um, let me ask you, how long is it taking you to learn? So um, I've been learning now for um, I would say just under three years, um, and um, I, I'm in a position now where I can go in and I can have um, a small talk um, conversation and do. Yeah, just yeah, talk um, like that with with anyone who speaks Welsh. Um, next stage for me now is to get to a point where I can stand on a platform and properly um, nail it entirely in um, in Welsh. But if I really put my mind to it, if that I really amazing. put my mind to it now, I could live a whole week in Abbasoch. in Welsh. Was it Abbasoch? The English call it Abbasoch. Yeah, well, yeah, um, I'm an but, Englishman. Uh, but we we like to call it Abbasoch. <laughs> yeah, so that, that yeah, yeah, that is that would be uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is a beautiful place. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and and here's the thing um, that so uh, this is this is a bit where uh, a challenge for us um, in terms of gospel ministry here. A lot of the youngsters who are growing up in places like Abbasoch can't actually find um, decent work, therefore can't afford to buy their own homes there. So therefore they start leaving the community. And then we end up with communities where um, 
where the youngsters are, are just simply moving out because they've got to go where they can get work and where they can build their own lives. Yeah. So for us, the challenge is how do we help those those communities? How do we help those youngsters to to be able to uh, to build a life and then become the generation that actually follows Jesus and shares the gospel in in that community? Big challenges, mate. Right, massive it? challenge. Yeah, and it's going to take your lifetime and beyond, isn't it? It is. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a big thing you set your heart to. If the blokes who are listening, how can I pray for you? So for us, um, we we need to uh, we do a lot on a very very um, uh, a very low resources here in Wales. Um, obviously, massively supported by Central CVM. I won't say that. Yeah, we could do but, more though, couldn't we? But the reality is, we need guys who will uh, who will step up, put their hands in their pockets, give us a fiver a month, and increase the resources that we've got so we can reach more and more men therefore more and more communities and we can actually just completely change the narrative here in in wales wales historically has been a nation with a real spiritual sensitivity it's now the most secular nation in the uk seriously that that that's that's happening on our watch so if you can Put your hands in your pockets. Give us a fiver a month. Right, and there'll be someone who could do a hundred grand. There will be. Change the game. Absolutely. This is reaching an unreached people group. You know, yeah. with a lot of lot of cross cultural mission stuff. You're there, very under resourced. There'll be people there who can help you. So if yeah. you listen to this and you can, consider it because we've been in the game a long time now, thirty years, and now we're moving into Wales. Don's learning the language. He's built a team. We need the resource yeah. to get the job done, don't we? We do. Yeah. And yeah. and to be fair. Um, if we are resourced, we are now well positioned with the guys that we've got on team to really do some damage spiritually in this nation. Mm, absolutely. We just need to be released. Yeah, that's it. Well, mate, you're doing an amazing job and uh, it's good to catch up with you. Thanks for taking the time. It's good to be in Wales, isn't it, Blackers? It is, mate. It is. It's good to be with you too. Cheers, Bald. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you're you're a carpenter by trade. And then started building your own projects and stuff. And you're, you're building this amazing facility out here. Do I need to tell the fellas about that? What you're involved in doing? Yeah, so I'm uh, currently involved project managing a, um, a new church community um, building. Um, so the idea, it's, it's a real privilege to be um, part of that. Yeah. It's such a privilege to be, um, you know, who gets to be a part of building a, yeah. a new church. Um, but it's not just a, a church that's, going to be open on a once a week this building is hopefully going to be yeah like properly alive monday to monday to yeah. sunday for community oh, use we've got rooms that are we've got function rooms we've got um a, a room that will be used for business conferences yeah. we've got a cafe that will be hopefully open seven days a week yeah um and yeah we just want to use the building for the community how did really? that come about because you, you know it's a good sized church we're in Dawlish, it's not a massive place and it is it's a very impressive i mean it's a big building yeah. on a big bit of land how does that how does a, an average sized church take on that i mean how did that come about it's, it's amazing really the story and uh, without sort of taking too much time really um many years ago there was a few different people within the church really felt that Maybe it was time to leave the, the centre of the town where there was six, seven other sort of smaller churches. Yeah. And maybe God wants us to be in a place where houses are going up all around us. Um, so 
it's amazing how it all came about but about five years ago red row got permission to build uh about 250 houses on this estate yeah and just across the road there's going to be another 1200 going up right. over the next few years and this bit of community land came up and um we found out about it through mark one of the guys in the church church leader and um just for the first year or so it's just amazing how god had his hand on it yeah and different people that were in really important places within red row yeah within the council everything just seemed to fall in place yeah um that hasn't continued it's been a real struggle um right. red row have been quite awkward over the latter years yeah. um you know we're, we're having a lot of resistance in in Bit other ways fight. but um god is good god's and amazing he's faithful yeah yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah and it's a, it's just yeah let's say again it's a real privilege to be a part of the the project and but you were like you were is. building you said to me a minute ago moving on you for a bit but you were building extensions and suddenly you take on this big commercial <laughs> contract thing yeah how do you skill up for that uh it's um yeah i I've, i guess over the years i've been mainly building extensions yeah loft conversions and done a couple of houses um but i guess when it came to it i was part of the church and some of the people in the church were like, well, John's a builder. He can project <laughs> manage it. <Yeah. laughs> so, so here I am. Step of faith, but yeah, step out, yeah. God equips. It's, yeah. um, it's been a big learning curve. Yeah. Uh, being part of a, a commercial site where I have to have a presence on, on site all yeah. the time, every day, um, sort of opening and closing every night, dealing with a lot of, a lot more people, bigger contractors and stuff. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it doesn't come without its stresses, but, um, just a lot more praying, really. <laughs> That's what it's been down to. Final yeah. question. You're also a biker. Uh, Ducati am. or Honda? Ducati. <laughs> Kawasaki or Ducati? Oh, it depends what you're using it for. Uh, <laughs> track days. Well, Ducati on the road tracks, Kawasaki on a dirt track. <laughs> there you go. Cheers, mate. Thanks for talking. Uh, Just right. to confirm, you won't need to explain the aftershave. Tracy was watching. <laughs> She's on. Hi, Tracy. So uh, here we are in this amazing place. We've just had a fantastic evening uh, put on by you with the boys who run Sharp in Plymouth. But you, obviously, you're our CVM guy down here in the southwest. But you're a very busy bloke, Mark. So. Um, why don't you just give the guys a heads up on, on what life is about for you? Because a lot of people like they say, oh, I'll run a church on this, but you're officially doing all that, but you have other work as well. So, yeah, yeah. Tell us about your life, mate. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm for 23 years now, been working in the communications industry. Yeah. Um, I make sure that people stay connected. So, of course, as soon as this whole thing started, the first uh, people they said to was us, you can't stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. And it just ramped up. So I've not, my feet have barely touched the ground. Probably you're travelling a lot. Travelling a lot, yeah. About uh, 20,000 miles a year. Well, Just, you know, back and forth to places. So, yeah. Yeah, in a little car, isn't it, last night? So you've got <laughs> full this, focus. Yeah, in a full focus yeah, all over yeah, the country, yeah. yeah. So you're a busy guy, and that, it's big hours, big hours on the road, but somehow you also manage to do a lot of other stuff. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not blowing smoke here, but I heard in the background, and this is typical of you, Running around before everyone turns up, cleaning barbecues, getting everything straight. I mean, you're pouring with sweat every time I see it. Always stuck behind a barbecue. Massive on hospitality, mm. massive build a team. I mean, 
How, how does that happen? How do, you, how, do you do, I, how do you do that? I don't know, mate. God's given me a massive heart to serve, and oh, you know, right. I look at I look at Jesus, and He turned around and said to His disciples, "You know, let me wash your feet." Yeah. You know, you can't possibly wash our feet, Lord. And if they said, well, unless you, you know, learn to first become a servant, and that's on my heart, it's just to serve people. So I've got the energy. God gives me endless amounts of yeah, energy. Huge amounts of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, really. You know what I mean, it's just it's knowing yeah. Him, knowing who I am in Him. Yeah. I mean, just knowing who I am in Him, and, and knowing, you know. So how do you how do you discover that? Like, how, do, how how did that happen for you? How did I discover my Place, yeah, your purpose in Christ. It, my purpose in Christ really came when my life fell apart. I think right. I had a really bad time, made some really bad choices in life. Um, you know, it was, I had a, a marriage that went horribly wrong. It wasn't her fault, wasn't my fault, it was both our faults. Uh, nose dived into alcohol and everything else that you can possibly imagine. And I think when I hit rock bottom and then suddenly realised actually, hold on, there's one person that's always been looking out for me and that was God really started realising who I was in him, you know, it, came, yeah. it became real, it became really real, not just a, a nice feeling on a Sunday, but it became a, a really real thing for me. You know, like we were talking earlier, weren't we, to the fellas, and just saying, often when it's when you walk through some rubble and some pain, you, 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 some people come through and some people don't, do they? but yeah. those who come through and get on their knees, yeah. that's when you be, start to become the person you know you ought to be, isn't it, in Christ? And you start to realise that he died for us and who am I to, do you know what I mean, who am yeah. I to, not forgive who am I to not you know move on from stuff it's hard yeah. you know like you said I mean I've been in places where I wanted to do things that I really shouldn't be thinking yeah. about but yeah, yeah. it's part of life grace it mercy forgiveness it's amazing yeah, yeah. tell us about um, Sharper Sharper yeah and what you're doing here with the boys in Plymouth as we you okay. know, bring this into land yeah, yeah no, that's that. great Sharper um, we felt God leading us into a place where he wanted us to sharpen our brothers in Christ, so that's why you always see on the sharp thing Proverbs 27 17, yep. 27 17 as iron sharpens iron. Right. Um, and we felt it's, it's great that the brothers come to know Jesus, and that's, pro that's the, why we're here. Yep. But it's also good that, that, that the guys really understand who they are. Uh, we try to encourage them and help them in that, just doing it once a year, yep. get them along, sharpen them up, ready to go and take the the good fight out there and, and that's what it's all about and you built an amazing team haven't you which they guys can't see on the camera yeah. but that's just a whole group yeah. of blokes sitting around a fire in yeah. a barn here yeah. and you built this team around you well they? i would say it was we we as a team came together you know yeah. jesus built the team we came together and it, it's an amazing thing um they're a great bunch of guys you know they're real guys that you know one guy works in hospitality one guy's an architect one guy's a, an accountant yeah. you know one guy works with people in social care yeah you know, there's, it's, they're amazing. There's more to them as well. There's a guy who works in the dockyard. He looks after. Right. You know, this it's, it's amazing. Good the, group of you know, guys. Yeah, a, really. And, and that guys. single focus vision that helps, isn't yeah. it? If you're united around a focus vision, yeah. it's amazing work, mate. And you know, we're so like privileged to have you on the team. Before we go though, I just I need to clarify something because yeah. there's this smell coming over. Yeah, thanks. Carl. No, you, <laughs> and I've got a couple of daughters, but you smell of Britney Spears yeah. fantasy perfume. Yeah. Do you want to explain that to yeah, the fellas? I think I was stitched up to be honest. With you. I think it was a royal stitch up by my dear brothers Nathan and Kyle. He said, pick number three. And went one, two, after shave oh, roulette, which you've yeah. happened to sneak in a little bottle of Britney yeah. Spears fantasy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And as soon as you said that, I thought I'm going to smell a Britney Spears. Yeah. fantasy nasty smell which is yeah it smells really like bad thing. sweets yeah. yeah good luck explaining it later to the missus yeah thankfully i'll get her to watch the podcast at least i'll have proof <laughs> <laughs> thanks for you doing mate That's cheers right. so phil this is for our podcast 
yeah. we are, where are we? Tell us where we are. We're at Wertha Farm. Wertha Farm is on the, uh, the western edge of Dartmoor um, in a little place called Brintor. Wow. I mean, for guys, anyone who's watching on our YouTube channel will be able to see this video. Others right. just listening won't be able to enjoy the view, but it's some view, isn't it, mate? It's amazing. Yeah, we look onto the uh, look directly onto uh, St Michael de Roop Church, wow. which goes back to um, Henry VIII and uh, and before. Uh, beautiful countryside. Yeah. Um, very green because we get a lot of rain. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Mate, just tell us a bit, what's the vision for this place? What, what's in your heart? Well, in my heart, I mean, it, it's, it's a heart to share this place with other, other Christians, right. but also share the fact that, that God is here. Yeah. So it's a place, I, I want it to be a place to, that people can find God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but people can enjoy God and, and with the, the beauty of creation and, and that sort of thing. But yeah. not just for... Christian men, I have a huge heart for, um, yeah. you know, which, um, which is, God has, uh, God has really put on my heart. But it's for, it's for non-Christians as well to see that there's, there's a presence here, yeah. and and God is blessing this place. And you've you've really experienced God's provision, God's faithfulness. You've trusted Him right down to the wire. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that it? God's coming through for you. Yeah, it is incredible. God has, God has. I have gone on my knees and yeah. God's just come up and yeah, yeah. I've been at the point of, uh, of losing the place many times and, uh, and God just says, okay, you're at a point now where you've only got me yeah. and okay, I'll give it you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, Mate, he comes up every time, you know, I, he knows the plans he has for me yeah, yeah. and uh, plans to bless me. Yeah, yeah. As, so you took us around earlier in the in the landy, and we went around a, a track, off-road track you've built, and so 42 acres here. Yeah, yeah. You've got a guest house, you've got facilities, a little cottage, you've got a couple of caravans that you can put people in, like real sort of get off grid kind of feel. Yeah. That sort of real feel. As we're driving around, I had a sense of Moses, right? Yeah. Where Moses is before God, and he's got all these reasons why he can't be the man God wants to use. And God says to him, God, What's stop that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff, and God uses it. He says, look, yeah. I'll do a miracle through it. Even that, I'll do a miracle. Yeah. I have this real, real presence that God's oh. going to do some mir you know, real miracle stuff here, mate. Awesome. Well, I'm, God's done many miracle stuff. I mean, um, I took you to the, down to the cross. That's down at the bottom so tell of the us land. About that. Yeah, I mean, that's the cross awesome. was, um, was a situation where um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd owned the property for for 10 years yeah. and uh, my relationship went wrong yeah. um, and I knew I wasn't right with God and once a relationship went wrong I decided that I was going to put a stake in the ground yeah, so yeah. I built a big cross and it's a big cross what, it's a big cross 10 12 feet it's, yeah it's 12 foot high <laughs> yeah. um, the amazing story of that cross it was um, it was built from some trees that were cut down um, 12 years ago wow. and they were lying in my field for about um, four years and I contacted a, a woodcutter man who said he'd come over and I contacted him five times and over a period of two years yeah. and he didn't and then suddenly someone said to me from my church said what you needed at the, the places across and I immediately saw these two trees that had mm. been cut down so the wood the, made, the cross is made from is wow. from trees that were cut down from the land and you've got some barbed wire up there as well right yeah I saw that. yeah that was stuff that we 
I don't like barbed wire. It's 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 not good. So mm. uh, we just called it up and thought, wow, that needs to go on oh, the cross. On. Yeah, Mate, absolutely incredible. So we obviously want to spotlight what you're doing. How can guys find out or website? Well, my website is uh, is worththefarm.co.uk. Okay. Okay. I um, I derive all of my income from letting letting the house yeah. the house will 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 sleep 14 right. so it's great for a family family holiday Maybe. and then i have a cottage and as you say i've got a uh, i've got two caravans yeah, yeah. but um you know i i just have a heart for it's say it's it's my only it's my only only form of income that's my yeah, business yeah, yeah. um and uh, to be honest last year i nearly lost it because there was no yeah. i had no income yeah. i had no income but god again sustained me wow. And, uh, and brought me through. And, and now I think I've only got about 10 or 12 days left to fill for summer in the big house. Wow. And I've still got some time in the, yeah, uh, yeah. In the cottage. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, worththefarm.co.uk. W-O-R-T-H-A? That's correct. Got it. Worththefarm, W-O-R-T-H-A, farm.co.uk. Awesome, thanks brother. So tell us football mad. I mean, tell us a little bit about football just quickly. What, yeah. what was your involvement? I've played football, yeah, I've played football all my life, um, since I can remember. Um, my dad used to be a social worker, so he used to get tickets and we used to, used to take um, some of the kids to the games all the time. So from a young age, I always used to get to go with him, which is a dream, seeing the likes of Beckham, Ronaldo, some of the top players um, every week. Um, so that was kind of how I got properly involved. And then, yeah, played football and then got to uni, um, started coaching football, um, started managing the university football team a bit more. Um, and then that's kind of had a love for coaching and um, and kind of actually more people um, like player management, um, actually sitting down with people and asking them how are you, like them sort of things. So because you you know you've got the skills in coaching to a high level, you can coach anywhere, right? Yeah. So yeah, I've got my UEFA B, did a masters um, in sports coaching, um, and then got my UEFA B, which basically yeah means I can coach at any professional club uh, across the world. Um, so. Um, and yeah, coach Hampshire, Hampshire under 16s. Um, so won a national cup with them. Uh, quite a few of the lads have then gone to to play pro for like Bournemouth, uh, Watford. Um, some now starting breaking into like Northern Ireland and Wales as well. So um, yeah, yeah. So well, you, we were talking earlier, and you, you um, obviously coaching was going to be your life, and it's what you're going to be about. But then something happened. We were just talking before we were on shot, weren't we? And I was saying something clearly happened to you. Something changed in you that changed the direction of life. So tell us about that. Yes, I think I think for me, I remember I remember literally sitting there um, and one day just having this thing of God saying, "I've got bigger plans for your life than this." And because um, for me, actually, I just wanted to coach professional football. But what God's revealed to me in that time is that was because of pride. Um, so that I could meet people like yourself and be like, oh yeah, I've coached Gareth Bell, all these top, top players. Um, but he was like, now I've got bigger plans for your life than that. And, and then I think off the back of that, I just started typing visions and dreams on, on a PowerPoint. Like, so as simple as that. And, I, and that's what I'd encourage people that are listening. Just, it sometimes is as simple as that. Just write some stuff down, put it onto a PowerPoint and um, wrote this vision out, started designing this logo with um, one of the graphic designers in, in the school that I was kind of working with when I was at Saints. And before I know it, I had this presentation, and um, and then yeah, it kind of all kicked off after that. So yeah, back when I was 18, I um, I basically had prayer one night, and God basically said you're going to go to South Africa. Um, and then the next day, I was about to go on a football pitch, and I was a bit annoyed because someone was trying to stop me. Um, and they basically gave me these two leaflets, and they were like, I feel like God's saying you need to go to South Africa. Um, 
And I was like, wow. I think that's when I realized God was real because I was like, that's just not, like, how does that happen? And yeah. I remember going home and chatting to people and I was trying to like go to South Africa, for, whether it's through Tear Fund or whatever organization it was and just nothing really come together. And my mum was like, there's a guy at church going to South Africa in January. Why don't you speak to him? And he was going out to run football tournaments in a rural village in a place called Transkei, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I said, can I come? And he was like, yeah. And, and then I, so the story of Bridge the Gap started on a plane. I was on a plane, um, it's like Emirates flight, 18 years old, thinking, what am I doing going to South Africa? Um, not a safe place. Um, and, um, and basically God gave me this vision of one day having this football program um, with thousands of people coming through every week. And then how do we then bridge the gap between where we physically play football itself and the church? Um, so that was when I was 18. Went to uni, studied to a PE teacher, did a master's, got a job at Southampton Football Club, started coaching. And then, and then yeah, two years ago, I decided um, I literally went all in, really. And that was it. And left Saints in November, zero money, zero, zero plan. Just wow. was just trying to start this charity. Someone gave us a, a very generous donation to get going. Um, and then the story from there is just, yeah, leaps and bounds. Um, so how does it work? What, tell us about Bridge of Gap. How does it physically work? Yeah, so what we do is we partner with churches across the UK um, and we, we train and equip volunteers, young guys, to run this program. And simply all we want to do is, is start footballing communities across the country for, for specifically um, sort of males 18 to 30 um, because they typically don't want to go to church, um, but they'll come play football. Um, but I think my heart is you can go play football anywhere in this country, but some places you'll get your head kicked in, you'll get, you'll get called every, every, every name under the sun and you'll get told to come fight that person in the car park. So my heart was, okay, let's, let's create spaces where people can come, they can belong, they feel part of something, but they actually want to bring their friends, their, their, like, their uncle, their, whoever it is, like bring whoever you want to come to this place. So that's a weekly event. And then what we then do is we, in this place here, we just kick the whole place out with beers, play FIFA with the lads, um, literally dim light and put the music on. Um, and just make this place like they feel like they belong here, um, but actually they're in a church, which is like okay. Like, so that's part of obviously to bridge the gap. And then in the January we have a we have a quiz night. Um, and last year, well, the year before COVID, we had like 83 lads come to a quiz, um, and we had a footballer come down, share a bit about his story um, from playing football, but his faith as well. Um, and then we then invite them to Alpha, and basically what we want to do is just sit down with them, um, share a meal with them. But like, let's talk about life. Like, what's actually happening? How are you? What's going on? Um, and then hopefully, then that's when God um, transforms their life, and, and and yeah, their life's not changed. Their life's changed forever after that. So, if a church is listening to this day, or a church leader, yeah. Need that. What's the process? What happens? Yeah. Can that happen? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, we are we are in the beginning stages, but I'd love to speak to anyone who's interested um, in starting. We're looking to double in size in September. We've already got about nine churches that want to get involved, um, and then from there we look to start ten a year, um, and then. 2025 have 50 and I think that would be that would be the beginning there'd be way more than that we'd look to go abroad as well after that but um, I, yeah contact us um, bridge the gap football.org on our website bridge the gap football on Instagram yeah. um, or email me um, tristan.lurie at bridge the gap football.com um, and I'd love to just have a conversation yeah I think there'd be a lot of people interested I was already saying to you like some of the places we were working I could see it'd be explosive uh, what I'm interested in listening to you is what when you've stepped out in mission, you leave your job, yeah. no financial security, what has happened to your faith? 
So you've stepped out. Because a lot of blokes, we say a lot, don't we? Blokes yeah. are not good at peacetime Christianity. Yeah. If we're not living out in faith, where am I? So if you step out in faith, that you, your your personal faith can come along. Obviously, yeah. not promise an easy time, but it's in that battle that we get sharpened. But can you see, since you stepped out, that you've changed in that process? Yeah, my like I said to you at the beginning, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. Yeah. But actually, if I really think about was I a Christian, I think it's only the last sort of few years where. I've just like I just want more. Like I'm just I like, I've, I'm at that stage now where I'm like I'm all in. I'm like really wanting to explore, but not actually just like that for myself. Like for me, I, I never used to read. Never really used to read the Bible. Never used to yeah. read books. Like I just couldn't sit down. I'm someone who's very um, active, but someone who probably can't sit down for more than two minutes. Um, and then I think the last like sort of few years for me has been grounding reading sort of books like John Mark Comer, Ruthless Elimination of Hari, um, sort of like Garden City, King, um, Kingdom Vision by John Tyson, some of these really founding books. Not not yet. I'll send them my way and then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> please do. Um, but like reading some books that are just massively helpful yeah, yeah. for my faith. Um, but actually driving into the Bible for the first time properly and actually um, and reading reading it actually being like, okay, well how does how does this apply to my life and how's it going to actually change my life? Not just reading it and being like, oh that's nice. It's so cool. important, isn't it? Because yeah. it's when you step out, your, your prayer life comes alive, yeah. your, your devotion to Christ comes yeah. alive, and, and you're contending for people's souls more, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. I really want to see these people come through. Yeah. So your, your own holiness improves, isn't it? Like everything yeah. sharpens yeah. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Amazing, mate. And obviously, just to round it off, you're involved in the gathering this year with us. And yeah. We're hoping you'll be, you know, seeing more in the gathering and get you involved, get you plugged in. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to looking forward to share um, what God's been putting on my heart. And but yeah, thanks for coming down. Massively appreciate. No, mate, you're inspiring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.